0: You know, anybody can thank him after the fact. It's a work of his spirit in us to thank him ahead of time, to be so settled, so confident that he hasn't forgotten about me. This need hasn't overpowered him or exhausted his resources. So I'm just declaring it ahead of time. My spirit is going off and declaring ahead of time. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the work of your Spirit in our hearts. And today, one more time, we need you to send your Spirit in power to our hearts, to teach us, to direct us, to correct us, to encourage us send your spirit in power send the helper in power send the teacher in power to our hearts today so that this won't just be one more church service one more time on Sunday morning or whenever this is being listened to just to check a box Lord, we send your spirit in power send your spirit in power send your spirit in power to my heart and we receive you dear spirit we receive you spirit in power in this moment amen 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 the reason i encourage that prayer to be prayed that cry of our hearts to be expressed is because it's just the truth unless the lord by his spirit is our teacher These are just going to be words. These are concepts. These are principles. These are truths. But they don't necessarily have any life to them unless the Spirit, as Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing. But what did he say? The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. Do you need some life today? I mean life in the sense of something that is truly a fresh stirring of the Lord's heart within you where hope may be fading. May, now may the God of hope fill us with power within, in peace and believing that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's able to do it. He's able to do it. He's able to do it. And, and he specializes in doing things that don't make sense. And that's what I want us to talk a little bit more about today. Last week, we, we embarked on this brief journey, calling it When God sets his favor on an ordinary life. When God sets his favor on an ordinary life, and we spent some time in Ephesians chapter 2, that our ordinary life can be a life just like anyone else in our generation, our culture, straying away from God, driven by various kinds of lusts, lusts and passions until such time as the Lord in his mercy, because we have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. When the time is right, he causes his spirit to begin to do the work within us, to open our eyes to who Jesus really is. He's not on the cross, not still in Mary's lap, he's out of the tomb, that he's alive. He accomplished the victory forgiveness for our sins the freedom over Satan the victory over Satan by his death burial and resurrection but until such time as the Lord by his spirit starts showing us those things those are just things we may have heard a million times but they did nothing to us and for us but there comes a time when he by his spirit because he's chosen you and because he's setting his favor upon you, has set his favor upon you and desires to express it throughout the days and activities and events of our lives. He does that work by his spirit of opening our eyes to who Jesus is. He opens our eyes to that sense that by his authority, he calls us into places of authority. We spent some time on that last week that You're not just an ordinary, average human being. Once the exalted Christ by His Spirit comes to live inside you, you are a person of authority because you are under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are things that He will not do until we exercise His authority in agreement with Him. That's why He would teach us to pray, Lord, Your will be done on this earth as it is being done in heaven why would he say that it's because he needs you and me to be in agreement with what heaven desires what's right in it what his heart is we're in agreement on this earth and we pray in that fashion lord bring into reality on this earth that which you desire to be in operation down here bring the breakthroughs bring the bring the plenty bring the releases bring the understanding on this earth as it is in heaven Some some of us, um, you know, for the longest time have slept our way through a thousand recitations of the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, until one day it dawns on you, wait a minute, wait a minute, why did he say it like that? Why why did he say it like that? It's a command. Here's Here's how you are to pray. You are to say, kingdom of God come, will of God be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We've explored the possibility um, in weeks and months past that there may be some things that haven't been a breakthrough yet in your life. There are some things that may not have yet happened that you long to because that is not the way that we pray. We're, We're assuming that we just need to make a a sort of a benign petition back to the Lord for him to do whatever he wants. Well, what if it is that he's saying, this is what I want. This is what I put in your heart to desire. You, you, You don't need to plead with me to have that done. You need to agree with me on this earth that it is my heart, declare it, speak it, believe it, receive it by faith. You enforce my authority on this earth for blessing, for protection, et cetera, et cetera. We've been on that a long time. But I I, I keep working that because I, I really do believe that there are some things that have not happened to bless us because we are not believing that the Lord's heart really is to bless us that his mercy goes only so far, but because we've done these things and been to that place, had that relationship for far too long, that he's grown cold in his love for us. He knew what he got when he got you and me. There's no new sin we're going to commit that's going to invalidate the cross of Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lord Jesus washed every sin paid the price for every sin so that we can know the freedom from that and the life of his spirit bringing the want-tos of Jesus into our hearts so that our desires are changed. Okay, that's, those are some old tapes still playing, but there's life in that. There's life in that. Don't, 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 don't lose that. When God sets his favor on an ordinary life, what does he do? two or three things this week, just taking it a little bit further. When God sets his favor on an ordinary life, he's implementing his purpose. He's bringing his purpose to bear. You find yourself caught up in the purpose of God when you discover that for whatever reason, be known to Him, that's joy to us, He has chosen to set His favor on you because He is implementing His purpose. His purpose through you in this life. There are places where His purpose has small dimensions. There are places where His purpose using us may have large dimensions. But when he sets his favor on a life, it's not just a random, disconnected act of mercy or kindness. It's because he's going somewhere. He's doing something. And there are two kinds of time in Bible terms. One is called chronos time, the Greek term. That, That means chronological time. There's nothing necessarily significant about chronos time. It's just the passing of minutes and half hours and hours and moves on into days and months and years. Chronos time. But there's another word that speaks of another way that God uses time, and it's called kairos time. It, it, it means specific time, time for a purpose, a season for God to do something, an event. it's, it's, It's the kind of time in which God will do something that has been planned, that has been needed, but the moment for it to happen is called Kairos time. And he uses people. He uses you, he uses me, as we are open to what he's doing as instruments of his will being accomplished, his heart being accomplished in those seasons of God-appointed time. Now when that drops 18 inches and you realize this is the sovereign Lord, this is the one who has all authority over Satan, over time, over space. Nothing can stop the implementation of his purpose when it is time. No amount of people, no amount of armies, no amount of intellect can stop the implementation of the purpose of God when it's time. Now that's important to keep in mind as something of a background. For instance, For instance, Moses was an ordinary Jewish boy born to ordinary Jewish parents during the season of captivity, enslaved in Egypt. The the, the little ordinary Jewish boy was put in a, a, a cradle that was made to float by pitch and tar around the house, and because the edict had gone forth that all the Jewish boys would be killed. The babies would be killed. The the, the parents wanted to do something to try to protect their son, but they knew if they kept him, they wouldn't be able to do that. He would be found and would be killed, and so they put him in that little floating bassinet, pushed him out into the into the river, probably the Nile, floated down the, down the river, and lo and behold, Pharaoh's, one of Pharaoh's family members found that little baby, fished him out of the water, took him home, and raised him as her own. He grew up, in a sense, in Pharaoh's household. Why? Why was all that happening? Because it was about to be time for Israel to be rescued, for Israel to be delivered. It was time, 400 to 450 years of slavery of, of, by the Egyptians over the Israelis. All of those years, all of those decades had come and gone until it was time, until it was God's time. Folks, we, we, have, we have chronos seasons in our lives. We could identify just the passing of time, the passing of time. We're making it. We're getting through. And in the course of that time, there can be the blessing of the Lord. There can be the favor of the Lord in various ways. He, he, he feeds us. He clothes us. He protects us. He heals us. Those kinds of things. And yes, thank you, Lord, for, for the favor of the Lord in that dimension. But what I want to lean into with you this morning is that there, there in your life can also come From a biblical standpoint, a kairos time, where there is a season that God has created you and chosen you to live in and live through for the purpose of implementing His purpose in that season. It may be in your family. It may be in your professional life. It it may be, in, in a sense, for the nation. It could be any number of things. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, we are in Christ Jesus. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which the Lord prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His masterpiece. Paul puts it that way. We are His masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. Listen which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That there is a part of who you are. There is a part of the things that God wants to equip you to do and enable you to do that are things that he prepared before you ever drew a breath. Before you ever knew what street you'd live on. Before you ever knew what company you'd live for. Good works prepared beforehand that we should Walk in them. There is a there is a Kairos time for some of the things that the Lord has ordained, prepared ahead, and that we should walk in them, that we won't know until that season hits us. That season hits us in our living. Everything may have been just as normal as a regular daylight dark for a while, but then there was a season in which the Lord has appointed you, is going to empower you, is going to qualify you for things that he's prepared that you should do and will do that are only enabled by his power, his power coming upon you. Ordinary people, ordinary people, Moses was an ordinary man until 40 years in the desert, having run from Pharaoh because he killed an Egyptian who was persecuting one of his Jewish kinsmen, and he fled the country, went out in the desert, herded sheep and goats for 40 years until that amazing day, which marked for him the beginning of that Kairos season. Or the bush was burning, or the fire was burning, but the bush wasn't burning. And it was from that perspective in that place. Find, find Exodus chapter 3. We just want to read a couple of those verses where the Lord, the Lord is speaking to Moses from the bush. This is verse 4, Exodus 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. And said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, listen, this, 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 I have surely seen the affliction of my people were in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the other tribes listed there. Verse 9, and now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. The Lord knew the sufferings of his children. It had gone on for a long period of time But now was the time when God was going to act. I just need to say this, and I hope it comes through clear. There's some of you who are standing on the brink of your kairos time that you may have lived a long season without anything changing. You may have lived a long season that knowing some things, knowing that some things need to break, some things need to shift, some things need to be adjusted, released, renewed, made all over again, but nothing has happened that doesn't mean that God is oblivious to the cries and the sufferings and the sorrows during that season. There's a time, there's a time coming, and some of you may be standing right on the cusp, right at the edge of this Kairos time where God's purpose, God's purpose to set captives free, God's purpose to heal broken hearts, God's purpose to fulfill your destiny by you stepping into the things which have been prepared beforehand that you should walk on them, walk in them. It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. It's time. His purpose. That there was a, God's purpose was to release the Israelites with Gideon. the the, the Amalekites were were in Judges 6 were were ravaging the land and, and 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 Gideon is is hiding out down the bottom of a wine vat and trying to grind enough grain for his family to eat and so forth. But it was time even though that season of oppression had gone on for a long time the Lord came to Gideon and said Gideon the time is at hand. That season is over. This is a season of deliverance. This is a season of rescue. And you're the one to lead the way. I've picked you out to lead the way. You, you, you can keep going through the, through the scripture with, with David. David's, you know, the, the, the runt of, of, of eight brothers, Billy Graham comes to town and he's not even invited to the supper at the house. And he's out shepherding the sheep. Look, young guy, young guy, but it was time for Saul to be replaced with a man after God's own heart. King Saul would rule for 40 years or so. There was this chronos season with Saul in place. But that time would come to an end, and it was time, it was time, it was time for this, for this ordinary. Part. Sometimes we, we, we build David up and some of the Bible characters up into these personas that they really were not. That They became something because the Lord's Spirit came upon them. But prior to that time, they weren't any different than you or me. That David was doing the job that none of the other brothers wanted to do, out shepherding the sheep. But God said through Samuel, the prophet who came to anoint him, don't you be looking at Eliab. Don't you be looking at the most handsome and the strongest with the biggest appearance. Because I'm not looking, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And the heart I see in this family line is not in the big house. The heart I see in this family line that I'm after is the one that's out there under that shade tree with those sheep. It's not even thought highly enough of to be invited to the meeting with the prophet. It was time. It was time. It was time. Somehow, Lord, by your Spirit, may you plant that dream within us that instead of us being moved into a season of nothing happening and the same old, same old, that what if you're saying to us, you're wanting us to get here by your spirit? It's time. It's time. God's timing is coming and is at, is at hand. David was to be the next king of Israel. Saul would have to be removed. Saul was removed. David was, in, was put into the position of the king because it was time. You, you go on, you know, and, and move, move all the way over into the New Testament. It was, here, here, is, here is Mary, the, the, the young girl, and, and all of these centuries of no Messiah, all of these centuries of no promised one coming, but that in Luke chapter 1, it says, Gabriel, one of the archangels sent from the presence of the Lord to say to Mary, she was the one chosen by God to be the earthly mother of the promised one. Purpose, purpose, purpose. This, was Somehow where this can be let in. Just because things have seemingly always been a particular way, that has been wrong. That has been anti-God. That has been devoid of his influence in the situation, does not mean that it's supposed to be that way forever. So what does he do? How does he change that? His purpose has a time. The second thing is this, to notice: he'll find he will find a poor person to implement his purpose, to be involved in his purpose. He'll find a poor person, a poor person, not necessarily financially, but poor in the sense of knowing within themselves, I can't change this. I can't do this. Jesus makes a remarkably insightful statement when he says in the Beatitudes, blessed, are, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Paul would later write, The kingdom of God is not words, but its power. Paul would also write, What I have learned is, That when I am weak, I am strong. Because it is the Christ within me whose strength is flexing his muscles and changing me. For for us to say, I am disqualified because my family doesn't have a big name. that, that That would be Gideon. I'm 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 the small. I'm a member of the, of the of the family, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is least in that tribe, and I'm I'm the least in my family. So therefore, God, you can't use me to to bring deliverance for the nation, because I'm disqualified based upon my family. Some would say, I'm disqualified. God could never pick me. Because of things that I've done. Things that have been done. That have not been brought into the presence of the Lord. And repented or forgiven. That can be and will be a disqualification. But but when it is is like David. I mean like Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Who became Paul the apostle. Who would say I did what I did. I persecuted the church of Jesus. Out of ignorance. it it, It was an ignorant pursuit. I didn't realize Who Jesus of Nazareth really was. But when I came to know him, not only did my attitude toward Jesus of Nazareth change, but my attitude toward the ones who were loving him also changed. So to say sin and actions of the past disqualifies Folks, listen, you want to know why sometimes God picks folks with a jaded past over folks who have never missed a day of Sunday school? You want to know why? I'll just tell you why. (laughs) Because sometimes those of us who've grown up in Sunday school feel like we're not the jerks that the other folks are. And that we've been able to keep ourselves pure and keep ourselves straight, and we've got our voting record right. And so we think that there's much of this life that we can do Just because of who we are or who we're not. But you watch when the Lord, I want someone to shake a generation. I I want religion broken. I want the power of God to fill and fall. You watch who many times he will choose. It's been somebody who has been broken, who has been defeated, who has been crushed by the enemy again and again, who knows if there's any hope of anything changing in me, it won't be me changing myself. It will be God doing it in me. If I'm going to be raised from this dead place I live in, it'll be Jesus who his resurrection power makes real in my life. And the banking on the casting of oneself totally upon the mercy and power and wisdom and greatness of God as opposed to somebody who's got a marked-up Bible and 56 discipleship manuals all filled out and degrees going out both sides of their head. I can tell you the in-depth meaning, the in-depth meaning, the in-depth meaning, but no power. Give, Give me a saved radical for the power of Jesus X whatever over somebody who you poke them and the 23rd Psalm comes out, out, but they don't have a no to sin and secret sin. They've got religion down. Now, here I go again, getting off on that religion. I'm just telling you, there's no power in a steeple. There's no power in sheetrock, even if it's in a church house. There's no power in the water and the baptistry to wash away sin. That's Jesus. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. And when the Lord finds somebody who is consumed with that reality, it's just Jesus or I'm nothing. You watch heaven circle. And you watch the favor of God land on that life. His, his purpose, his purpose will be fulfilled Through poor people, poor people, poor in spirit. It doesn't mean that you stay in the place of crippled and buckled and broken. It just means that you know better than anybody else that apart from his life in you, apart from his mercy, apart from his touch on your heart, you can't do anything that would really please him. And here's here's something he stands up before you. He, he 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 you're the least of the least in the family line, but he puts on your heart to be a light to your family line. You're the, you're the lowest on the totem pole, maybe corporately where you work, but he's given you a vision for your company. He's given you a heart for people that you've known before or have relationship with. But if you think it's because well, I've learned how to debate, I've learned how the apologetics work, and I can defend the scripture, and I can do all you know. I'm Bible poke Bible, poke. You know, the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Read the scripture, love the scripture, know the scripture. Don't ever think for one second you have mastered it. it. It is to be instruction. It is to be encouragement. It is to produce, if it doesn't produce anything else, a humility before the God of the Bible. Rather than some sort of a sense, I don't really need the God of the Bible because now I have the printed material. Absence of power where there has to be the presence of the Spirit in a life. So I I say that again. For the purpose of God to be fulfilled in a life, he looks for a poor person. David. The the least of the crew, eight brothers, not even invited, but God picked him. Gideon, giving all the reasons why he should be disqualified from leading in in this season of time, God appointed time for deliverance to come for Israel. He gives all the reasons because his family was not anything. Therefore, he wasn't anything. God was saying, but what you understand, I'm with you, Gideon. I'm with you. I didn't pick you because, I know all your pedigree, but I picked you because you understood how weak you were. I picked you because I knew how deeply, desperately dependent you were going to have to be on me for the doing of my will. And so that Gideon's the one who kept putting all those fleeces out, <laughs> God, if this is really you, then do it this way. He did that. God, if it, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I missed it. If, you, if it's really you, do it this way. The Lord kept honoring. They kept answering those, the putting out a fleece before the Lord. It's because Gideon knew he couldn't do it unless the Lord came through. Now, that ought to be so much hope for us. We, we keep waiting for, for somebody with some other credentials spiritually that we know we don't have. As to bring about what we believe the Lord really wants to do through our lives, in our lives, in our settings, when his designs all along have been on you and on your heart. Because you know in your knower, I am nothing apart from him. But you also know, because you've tasted of the fruit of the Spirit, the life of the Spirit, I can do all things through the one who is giving me strength. His purpose. He brings about his purpose in the Kairos time, but his purpose will seek out a poor person. So, I'm just trying to lay this out here. That, that, so here, When God sets His favor on an ordinary life, He brings His purpose into play with regard to that life, that there somehow comes to be a recognition that this is time. These are not just thoughts and truths and aspects to be debated, discussed, diagnosed, but this is the time when God intends to do something. And then he finds a poor person connected somehow with the situation. And the poor person being one who finds his only wealth, her only wealth in her relationship with the God who can provide what he or she needs. The third thing is this. He'll send a prophet with a word from the Lord. Here's his purpose, finds the poor person, to the poor person comes the word of the Lord. When the word of the Lord comes, it is the word of the Lord which is never defeated. There may be a delay, but it's never defeated. The word of the Lord will be spoken, it will be activated in such a way that it will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. In Moses' example, in Exodus 3, it was the Lord himself in the prophet's role, in the prophetic role, saying, here are the conditions of my people. You are the man that I have picked. It it blew Moses' hat in the creek. The, the, The last thing that he ever thought that he would ever do was go back to Egypt, number one, and go back and confront Pharaoh face-to-face, number two. But the word of the Lord, the prophetic word of the Lord about who he was and about God's mission for his life impacted him to a degree that courage rose up in his heart. Though he, he, he tried to get Aaron to do all the talking. said, I, I can't talk. I'm not a, I'm not a public speaker. The, all the things that I can't do. He, he, he listed those things just like people again and again would do. Just like you and I would do. Lord, I can't do that. I, I can't step back into my worst nightmare. I can't go back to that person that did this to me or that I did to. But what if, what if it is... Kairos time, what if it is you're the poor person, weak, disqualified, you would think in ways, but somehow there is the sense that God has set his favor upon you. He wants to bless through you. He wants to heal through you. He he wants to teach, instruct, encourage through you. That was with Moses. Moses. I was with Moses. I I, I want you to find Judges chapter 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Judges chapter 6. Gideon, let's just read this. This this is Judges 6 verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. <laughs> so you, you get the picture. You're not supposed to be threshing grain in a hole in the ground, which was a winepress. You, you do that. You do that out above the surface so that when the wind comes through it separates it blows away the chaff and the grain falls straight down. But because the oppression was so great in order to save what little they could and eke out an existence they had to hide their grain from the marauding marauding armies. And, And that's what Gideon was doing. Probably in the dark in a hole in the ground trying to make a enough for his family to eat. But then look look at this, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely, I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. The Lord saw Gideon as a warrior. When his behavior at the moment that the angel of the Lord encountered Gideon was the behavior of a coward, the behavior of just a survivor. but but not the behavior of a commander of legions, of armed forces that would throw off the Midianite groups. Folks, listen. What will shut us down many times is when we will not allow the Lord to convince us of who He sees us to be. We, we, we continue to discount, we continue to set aside. When the Lord walk comes in in the, in the form in the presence of this angel of the Lord, and He looks through the dark, looks at this guy just hiding out, he's down there because he's scared. And what does the angel say? "Hail, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior." i got to say this, there's some folks sitting here listening to this today or whenever you're getting it, (laughs) and you may feel like you are the exact opposite of a valiant warrior. You are the last one on the list for the Lord to pick to lead the charge against darkness and defeat and lies and deception. But the Lord sees you not in your own strength, but the Lord sees you in the power of His strength. The Lord sees you with the favor of God on your life. Amen. He sees you with the favor of His hand of blessing, the favor of His protection, the favor of His provision, the favor of His power on you. We have a choice. When that voice of the prophetic comes to us, hail, valiant warrior, we can say, must have been talking, that wasn't me. Or when... when 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 Moses would hear the Lord say you go and lead my people out Moses could have disqualified himself by continually saying no. But the good news is the Lord is persistent. The Lord is persistent. The Lord is persistent. And that's why many of you who would be hearing this, that he hasn't let you go. He hadn't let the dream out of your mind. He hadn't kept stirring something up inside you. But again and again, you see the opposite evidence pressing in. Who do you believe? Who do you believe? When God sets his favor on an ordinary life, he will send his word somehow, way A passage of scripture, a dream in the night, a friend you trust in the Lord that you know loves the Lord, loves you, and has the ability to speak the truth. They speak it to you. You test it. Is this really true? Somehow it doesn't leave you. And the Lord is setting his favor on your life for something that is to be accomplished, to be done in this kairos moment. In this moment, I want to say one other thing and quit. The Lord can speak a prophetic word about the future of a life through a parent to the child or through a grandparent to a child. Samuel's mother, Hannah, the book of 1 Samuel, she says after Samuel was born, and it was a an elongated process of the birth finally coming. But she says to Eli, the high priest, I prayed for this boy, and the Lord has blessed me with my son, and he is dedicated to the Lord all the days of his life. Somehow the Lord persuaded Mother Hannah of who her boy was, and she declared it, this boy is God's. I'm his earthly mother, but this boy is God's. It has to be true. She spoke that into that young man, that child that grew up in, the, in, in, the, in, in a jaded community. Eli's sons were nuts and, and prolific in their sin and it was a contaminated atmosphere, atmosphere. She would see him occasionally, but what she would most certainly say is, son, you've been dedicated to the Lord. You belong to God. He's your true father. You keep Surrendered to him. You keep obeying him. And Samuel grew up to be one of the greatest prophets of the Lord in difficult seasons. He would anoint kings, anointed Saul, anointed David. He would speak words all, all throughout his life. She said, He's dedicated to the Lord all the days of his life. I want to say to you, moms, dads of children, ask the Lord who those babies are. Ask the Lord for a word for your son or your daughter. because He may choose you to be the prophetic voice speaking to Him. Now the aging grandfather that I now am holding with great joy that position. My name is Pops, Pops Walker to our three grandsons. And I take very seriously My role in their lives. Shirley and I are not raising them. But I can tell you, we feel a responsibility to be speaking into them, speaking over them, praying into them, praying over them, the things that God puts in our hearts to believe him for in their lives. They're two years old, three years old, old, and our oldest one is seven. Now listen to this. Go, Go to Genesis chapter 48. The last days of Israel, that would be the man Israel, Joseph's father. Joseph had been sold into, into slavery years before. He ends up, as you know, in Egypt. He, he's, in the, he's in the jailhouse one night. He's in the presence of Pharaoh the next morning. And he's transformed from someone they were accusing him of capital punishment, major crimes. Now he's Pharaoh's right-hand man. A drought hits. His brothers, along with their father, need to survive, so they end up in Egypt. The brothers not knowing at the time that where Joseph was, they thought he was long since dead, as did the father Israel. But the time comes when Israel, the granddaddy, for the first time, gets to meet Joseph's young boys who were born in Egypt. And look at what this says. Verse 8, Genesis 48, verse 8. When Israel, the granddaddy, saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here, meaning in Egypt. So he, the granddaddy, said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel, the granddad, were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him, and he, the granddaddy, kissed and embraced the two young boys. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees, Joseph took his sons from his knees, evidently still small enough to sit in their daddy's lap on his knees. And he bowed with his face to the ground. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim, one of the sons, with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh, the other boy, with his left hand toward the granddaddy's right, and brought them close to him. But Israel, the granddaddy, stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, breaking tradition. His right hand should have gone on Manasseh the older, but he didn't. He laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph. He blessed Joseph. The dad blessed the son and said, The God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Do you see that? He's saying, The God before whom my fathers walked, bless the lads. The God who has been my shepherd, bless the lads. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And may my name live on in them, and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. May they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. I'll stop there. You can read the rest of that if you want to. It was a prophetic word. It was a prophecy spoken over these two young boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, who would grow up to be named among the 12 tribes of Israel. Nobody had left Egypt yet. Egypt would be in captivity for many, many years. This is way before Moses. This is at the beginning of Israel being in Egypt. 400, 450 years would pass before Israel would be allowed to go and possess the land spoken of here. But the prophecy, the word spoken through the granddaddy, may the God of my fathers bless them May the God who has been my shepherd bless them. May the angel of the Lord who has walked with me bless these boys. I, I just want to say to granddaddy, get your boys, get your granddaughters, get them up in your lap. Hold them. Blessings in the Old Testament were always with physical touch. It always was with a hand being laid on a head or an arm around a shoulder. Grandmothers, grandmothers, granddads, grandparents. What I'm saying here is that the Lord has the ability to impart favor upon the next generation through the words of blessings that can come through parents and grandparents in this life. They will touch a generation you and I will never see. I pray that way for our three grandsons. In fact, I, I, I send it out. I, I call them I call them, all three of them, leaders of the free world. Leaders of the free world. They're smart. They're good looking. They're funny. They're going to they're be able to move people, win people. And I, it's not about being in a church house, but it's about being engaged powerfully with the purpose of the Lord at work in your life and the culture where you are. Again and again, Abraham was a businessman. Moses had to deal with all kinds, all levels of, of social and economic activity, military activity. David certainly, on and on. Stop, stop making the prayer, or if they can just be a Bible study or a seminary professor. Well, if God wants to do that, He can tell them. But what if the most impactful place for your sons and your grandsons will be out yonder in a world that needs the light of Jesus, and they go forth with power and joy and life and the favor of God all over Doors open for them that don't make sense. They're able to see stuff, envision stuff that nobody else sees. Where does that come from? Daniel got it. Joseph got it from the same God who wants to bless your sons and grandsons and daughters and granddaughters. Amen. Amen. Get those little guys up, and I, I, I do. And I, I'll have them. Some of the best times is when I get when I you know I get stuck with rocking them in the swing or in a rocking chair, you say, well, I don't know what to, I don't know what to pray for my son or my grandson. Have you asked the Lord? Have you ever asked him? He's liable to tell you. A verse of scripture, a name, a phrase, this is who that one is. This is who that one is. I do believe that these young men coming up and we got two more on the way, a granddaughter and a grandson, two more come to this time next year, they will be We're going from three to five, three to five. And so I'm expecting Shirley and I to be able to have on our knees or in our time alone with the Lord while we're holding them, Lord, what's your heart for this child? What's your word for this baby? They can't talk yet. They're not potty trained yet. They can't sit in a regular chair yet. But what do you see this baby as? Jeremiah was told before you were ever from the womb, I knew you. I consecrated you set you apart to be a prophet to the nation when God sets his favor on an ordinary life a purpose is engaged a purpose is engaged hold on to that He will always find a poor person somehow in the place of their heart where they are the most going to be used by the Lord. They will have a sense of, I can't do this. But that equates to, I can't do it. So God, if it ever happens, it's going to be all you. You get all the credit, all the glory. I know it better than anybody else. But Then you be prepared that he may give you a prophecy to speak. He may put something in your heart, granddaddy, grandmother, friend, mom, a word from the Lord. This is what I believe the Lord is saying about this child or about you as a person. Maybe not even as a baby, but someone who, come, who comes up to you and you, you trust them. We're, we're to test those prophetic words, but we're not to despise them, Paul says in Thessalonians. Don't despise them. Test them. It'll bear witness with your spirit alright don't you be saying I'm so ordinary God can't ever use me the more you say you're ordinary the more you are a candidate for the favor of God to fall on you ordinary in the sense of nothing special ordinary in the sense of no superhuman power no great brain no but your eyes are on him you have the sense in your heart that you belong to him and somehow, maybe this morning, it's connecting with you. There was a Kairos moment. There may have been bland and nothing for 40 years. But the Kairos moment comes. This is the time. Moses, this is the time. And you're the Moses, or you're the Gideon, or you're the David, or you're the Mary. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the, just the joyful encouragement of Going over this amazing truth that the more ordinary we are, it is not that the less likely we are to be chosen by you, it is the more likely we are because you get the greatest glory. Your name is praised the highest, and it is praised the highest by us because we know better than anybody else it's only you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to stand with me, please, and receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, in the name of His Son, Jesus, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Dads, granddads, moms, grandmothers, If you don't know any other blessing to speak over your babies, over your children, over your friends, with one hand, you can open up to number six, numbers six, (laughs) and with the other hand, you can put your hand on that moving head, three-year-old, two-year-old, six-year-old, or whatever and read that blessing to them and over them. What you will find is the first time it may seem a little awkward, but the more you do that, the more of a connection, the size of a steel cable between your heart and that heart gets established because they won't get that kind of encouragement, that kind of blessing anywhere else you be that mother you be that father you be that grandparent you be that friend the Lord bless you and keep you cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace thank you Lord come this way please if we can pray with you we look forward to doing that Prayer partners, if you'll join us here. Streaming family, bless you. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. You really are a part of it. We love getting the prayer requests. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org. We love getting the feedback on Facebook, YouTube, various places where, where you're responding. It just means the world. And it helps us better to pray for you and rejoice with you. God bless you. God bless you. When God sets his favor, on an ordinary life, amazing things happen. God bless you. See you next time. Thank you.